Welcome to the Top 3 by E3, a monthly podcast about the intersection between engineering, energy, and project finance. I'm Ginger Elbaum, Managing Director at E3, and I'll be your host today. I'd like to introduce John Schmoker, joining us today from NACE Corporation. John is a project manager for NACE NERC Services, say that three times fast, uh, specializing in NERC protection and modeling standards. He's here today to talk about some recent grid reliability trends and what those could mean for the power industry. So welcome to the podcast, John. Hi, Ginger. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being on. So, so John, let's just jump right into it and talk about what's happening. So um, as I understand it, there have been several significant grid disturbances over the past 12 months, per- perhaps even more than normal. Uh, can you give us a little background on what's happening? It's an interesting time to be in the power industry. I think, you know, we can all kind of agree that uh, power transitioned from more of, you know, kind of a luxury to more of a necessity a long time ago. And so anytime we have a a major grid disturbance that affects lots of people, uh, you know, people are going to take note of that. Uh, Specifically, the the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, FERC, and uh, the North American Electrical Reliability Corporation, NERC, those are the regulators in this space, um, they're they're taking a, a real hard look at sort of the trends that are going on in the industry right now. Uh, we've had some uh, power-related uh, regulations for, for nearly 20 years now. It's uh, it's kind of amazing how fast that crept up on us. But uh, over those 20 years, uh, we've had around a little less than 20, about 18 major uh, grid events. And uh, some of those were really caused or, or the effects of those were, were caused by... Um, natural disasters, things like, you know, wildfires, uh, hurricanes, uh, cold weather events, things like that. So, you know, you have to think there's probably going to be some disturbance to to your, you know, your power supply during those events anyways. So, you know, 18 major events over 20 years, that doesn't seem, you know, like a, a massive issue. You know, really one of those events, one of the first ones back in 2003 was really the impetus for starting some of these regulations in the power industry. So, the, the troubling statistic, though, is that of those 18 major events, about 60% have occurred in the last five years alone. So there's there's more of an upward trend to these types of things happening. And most of those events were directly attributable to protection and control issues uh, at inverter-based sites. So these are sites like wind and solar uh, sites. <clears throat> and that, that really makes them kind of a natural target for additional scrutiny when we talk about uh, regulation. Mm, well, so, so John, what is NERC's approach to stemming the trend then? Well, you know, NERC in particular, they are really looking for, I, I guess you could consider it root cause, uh, systematic problems uh, that are causing grid stability issues. And so, you know, every time one of these events happens, uh, they, they spend a great deal of time and energy. There's a number of people in the industry that uh, put effort into what they call disturbance reports. And disturbance reports, uh, they're investigative in nature. They really dive into uh, the causes for the events. And then they also dig into, you know, what, what can be done in the future to prevent these from happening again. The most recent report really was a combination of four separate fairly large events and each one of them occurred in California in, the, in last summer each one of them caused about 30 sites to trip offline around a thousand megawatts of, of load loss per event so they're they're fairly significant in nature and really the, the the problem or the thing that is the most concerning to it is not necessarily that you know that they happen in the first place. It's more of uh, what the the results were from a single event moving into kind of a cascading event. So the NERC's approach is really investigating and then trying to provide industry recommendations on what we can do in the future to prevent future occurrence. 
Okay, so what is NERC proposing to keep these events from happening in the future then? Well, uh, there's a number of things that they're proposing. The The causes of, of the previous uh, report, there, there are legitimate faults on the system, right? And so, you know, we expect there to be a, a clearing of the fault uh, through the protection and control systems. And so we, we expect, you know, when a, when a legitimate fault occurs for, let's say, a, a single site to go down, the cascading nature is an issue. So we, ha- we have to address that. And NERC is essentially assigned a group of, well, not assigned, but, you know, they, they get lots of industry participation, but we have these committees within NERC. There's a whole bunch of different committees, but um, one of them is the Inverter-Based Resource Performance Subcommittee. It's been referred to as the IRPS or, or the IRPTF. That's the task force version of that. Uh, but they're a group of industry professionals who uh, they just, they live this, you know, they they design these sites, they operate these sites, they they do a lot to develop and kind of push the industry in the, in the way it needs to go. So they, they've got this committee uh, who, who are looking at these events. And, you know, if you've ever seen the the disturbance reports in the past if you've had a chance to read them throughout time you can you get the sense uh, the, the sense of in, uh, increasing urgency uh, about these issues that the language has transitioned from kind of uh, suggestions and recommendations to more the language is stronger and more serious and they you know they're they're reiterating their points they want people to do what they're recommending and so I guess the best way to see this is in the last report the, from the four major events that just occurred last summer, uh, the very first recommendation that they give is literally a reiteration of the importance to follow the recommendations that were in the previous disturbance report. And in that report, it was this pretty much the same. It was, we've provided industry recommendations and people need to follow them. So. Uh, there's really uh, three primary recommendations that, that NERC has put forth and, and through that, that subcommittee. Uh, the first one is really adopting reliability guidelines. And reliability guidelines are not requirements. They're not mandated by the regulatory bodies. Uh, they're more suggestions. And to date, that really hasn't happened. Uh, we haven't seen widespread adoption of reliability guidelines. So they're, they're pushing forward that as a, a way to solve this is to, to follow the recommendations that have been provided previously. Uh, the second is related to changes to the interconnection process. And the, the interconnection process has some well, they, they consider inadequacies, let's say. They'd like to see some changes there. And then uh, finally, we have kind of a rejuvenation or, or uh, evolving of the NERC reliability standards to address some of the issues. So when we talk about kind of those three main uh, subpoints, the first being the reliability guidelines. And as I, as I mentioned, you know, pe- people haven't widely adopted some of those. Really what what NERC is asking folks to do is to look at all of the documents that have been provided over the, let's say, the last five years or so, the, these uh, disturbance reports, uh, looking at the root causes of the issues, and then those recommendations is to, to follow through with those items without being mandated, you know, without having to be told, without having to be audited and held financially responsible, but to do, I, I guess, you know, to do the right thing on your own. On the surface, that sounds completely reasonable, but let's face it, there are financial implications to following these recommendations and 
sometimes it's it's tough with the margins that these plants especially the the independent power producers the margins they run in it it may not be something that they can just jump right out and and do uh, without being mandated so you know that that's part of it uh, the the second major point the interconnection requirements that's an interesting i i suppose you'd call it a, a subtopic because well since since the uh, renewables has be, have become more and more uh, heavily used in the grid, uh, we've seen kind of some of the inadequacies in the interconnection process, the studies that are required to interconnect the performance testing that's uh, been asked for. It's just lacking. There's just not that much there. And we end up finding it on the back end. So a site has an issue in practice, you know, in operation has an issue. And then after doing the investigation, you find, well, it was improperly modeled from the very beginning. The interconnection process wasn't adequate. And so, you know, here we are, we found this issue. So they'd like to address that on the, on the front end. Another large portion of it, they're wanting to transition from, uh, and this is mirrored in the NERC standards, but they want to transition from a, a paperwork exercise to more performance-based exercise. So adding uh, performance requirements that are mandated by FERC into the pro forma interconnection agreements uh, to, to really mandate folks do this on, uh, the, on the front end. They also wanna clarify in the interconnection requirements, uh, the, the modeling requirements. They want people to understand what needs to be provided in terms of modeling. And then uh, they want to require, uh, this is along the same lines as the performance uh, standards, but but the acceptance testing. They want to bulk up the, the acceptance testing to involve a number of other criteria to actually prove that the site can operate the way that, that it's modeled. So, and that's all within the interconnection requirements and that's all outside of NERC, which is interesting because you know, NERC is the regulatory body that is supposed to mandate the reliability of the grid, and, and they have all these rules set out for folks to follow to, in order to do that. Uh, but here we are talking about interconnection requirements that are completely outside of NERC's control, and it's really FERC taking the reins and, and requiring people to do it even outside of NERC. So uh, you can tell they're very serious about it. Uh, the the third part of it really is is the modernizing, I'd say, of the NERC reliability standards. And, uh, you know, this is kind of where I uh, come in. This is this is what I work on on a daily basis. Uh, uh, and it's very interesting for me to see this language that they're using, you know, modernize and update. They, that, that is in some of their uh, disturbance reports. Most of the NERC reliability standards are written for traditional generation. And that's just plain and simple. The, that's what most people knew when they were written and a lot of the renewable terminology and, and just the way they operate and everything, it just wasn't really considered. And so NERC's uh, push to change, update, modernize those standards uh, is really prevalent. I mean, I see it on a day-to-day -day basis. There's just so much going on in the world of NERC with them changing things to address some of these issues. Uh, they're they're really really serious about it. They too are mirroring this transition from a, a paperwork exercise where you know we we give you this you know X requirement. You just give us a, a proof that you know you've met this criteria, and you you know you have it on file or you send it to somebody. Um, that's all administrative in nature. They're more looking towards performance-based requirements. And that just opens up a whole other ball of wax. Performance-based requirements have been tried. Uh, we, we have performance requirements in, in TRE with the um, 
primary frequency response. And how those have been used in practice hasn't been as successful as I think some would have hoped. And so uh, there's a lot of uh, unknowns right now about how all that plays out. You know, how, how do we implement performance-based requirements? What do they look like? How do we prove compliance with them? Uh, I don't think anybody argues that if done well, that they won't add to the reliability of, of the bulk electric system. I think it's a, it's a great idea, uh, but how it's implemented is tricky. And so we're going to have to see how that how that works out. They want to also integrate performance validation. So not only uh, that you in, in proving compliance with the performance requirements, we would have the other side of the house. So let's say uh, if you're a generator owner, you would have to prove your performance, but also the transmission side of the system would look at your performance and would also validate that you're performing the way you should perform. So a check and balance there. Uh, mm -hmm. They are responsible for setting those performance standards. So it becomes very individualistic at that point. You have to check and understand what your specific transmission planners requirements are and then that you're following those. So that's interesting. Uh, one of the, the big takeaways from most of these events that have occurred is, is the, the issue with voltage in general. Um, and PRC24 is a standard that's written uh, around the requirements for under and over voltage and frequency uh, set points so that you you do not trip within this certain zone and it was touted as as what they call a ride through standard so so facilities if they were set outside the zone that they would be able to ride through certain voltage or frequency events and unfortunately that's not what's happened those sites may indeed be have settings outside that zone but they still trip when they shouldn't trip and so it, it defeats the purpose of having that standard so we're talking about replacing that standard and, and changing it to a, a true ride-through standard. And then we have uh, other modeling requirements. So transitioning from positive sequence dynamic models, uh, not, not moving away from those, but more uh, adding additional functionality in electromagnetic transient modeling. So it's a whole different process. It's uh, much more involved, uh, but it's also much more useful because you can map in protection. And then uh, once those models are in place, uh, they need a way to monitor everything to make sure everything is working the way that it should and also to investigate when issues happen. And that's where some of the, the monitoring data analysis standards come in. So updates to standards like PRC2 and PRC4. If you put it all together, it's just a massive amount of change in order to address kind of a systematic issue with the, uh, pen the, the, the increased penetration of inverter-based technologies. So NERC has got a lot of recommendations, and I know that was a lot, but that, that's kind of what they're looking at to address the problems. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the, these grid disturbances have significant impacts on people, right? I mean, right. it's it's, uh, it's very impactful. I mean, you think of the Texas event and how, I mean, there were people who lost their lives in those events, right? The reliability of the grid is just, uh, it's life impactful, I guess I would say. So it's, it's, it's critical. It's mission critical. Okay. So, you know, this all sounds really heavy and I just made it heavier. Um, but for, for those of us who don't speak, you know, speak NERC, uh, NERC's not one of our love languages here. What, is, what does this all mean uh, for NERC in the future? I think there's two sides to that coin. I mean, there's what does it mean for everyday folks using power? I, I think it means, we hope it means a more reliable grid. We're, we're really looking to prevent 
these type of systematic issues so that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the power stays on, the, the lights stay on. So I'm hoping that that's what that means. Uh, what it means for, for those of us in the power industry that have to get there, you know, that have to address the problems, uh, it, it really is a lot of work. There, there's a lot of work to be done in order to uh, understand the problems, to analyze the possible solutions, and to weigh, to balance what what can be done versus the cost of what can be done and and how that will translate to a more reliable grid. So, you know, that, that balance is tricky. Uh, I think, you know, NERC's verbiage of modernize and update is is apt. I think they do need to address these issues based on the new technologies that are coming out. And we're certainly doing that. The trend is certainly to force the industry to rethink the way we've approached things in the past and to develop new strategies for for working on the solutions to that. Uh, they Right now, there's, there's over 20, and it could even be more now. I, it's hard to keep track sometimes. There's over 20 projects uh, open projects with NERC right now, which means they're they're changing. Uh, I think those 20 projects impact over 40 standards. So there's just significant changes, in, you know, ahead of us. It's a bit of a rapid evolution, I'd say. You know, as these new technologies come in, we have to address them, uh, and sometimes it's not as quick as we'd like, but uh, it certainly needs to be done. So uh, it's keeping us all on our toes. We're working hard to make sure we can address the issues. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I'm pretty optimistic that after we get all of this done, that uh, you know it will it'll be better for everybody involved for sure. Yeah, that sounds uh, it sounds great. Um, um, okay, so uh, you know, John, this is the top three by E3. So if you were to boil all this down, you know, what are the top three takeaways that you'd like for our listeners to walk away with today? Well, I think the first one is just uh, the, the trend, you know, the trend that uh, we're seeing more of these events, which is kind of the opposite of what we'd like to see. You know, we, we'd love mm -hmm. to see the, the grid being more reliable, not less reliable. So the trend is something that we certainly want to address. And regulators are absolutely serious about, you know, stemming that tide, uh, making the grid more reliable. So, you know, we have to keep that in mind in our day-to-day -day operations. The second, you know, with the continued penetration of renewables, you know, wind and solar in, in particular, and, and now as we move into battery storage and things of that nature, we're looking for innovative ways to solve these types of problems. I think uh, the industry has done a fairly good job independently of getting in there and, and suggesting ways to address the problems, uh, and, and we just need to continue that. And the other, I guess, primary uh, point and, and plea from my perspective is for the independent power producers, utilities, uh, folks that are in this industry is to try to be open to, to following guidance without being forced into a standard. You know, we, we try not to regulate if possible. And uh, it's great to, to see people uh, wherever possible, you know, using those best practices to solve the issues without having to go through the entire process of developing standards and then having to hold people accountable uh, on the back end. So. I think those are my three main points. Those are great. Well, so John, this this has been really great. Um, you know, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and dis uh, and discussing grid disturbance trends today. I know I know we could talk about this topic for hours. So, you know, we may have to do a follow up down the road. Uh, and to our listeners, you know, thank you for joining E3's discussion. If you have any NERC related questions for John or any suggestions 
on future topics for our podcasts, please reach out to us by email at e3co at e3co.com. And uh, John, thank you again. We appreciate your coming on. It was great being here. Thanks. And thank you again to our listeners.